Hey man, um, I'm, I'm really excited about this series. I mean, it's the first time I've ever like, done a series for a year straight. So this is like, I don't know. We'll see if we can keep this momentum going. But the book of Acts, I think, is a great origin story of, of the church. And um, I, I believe if we get into it as a community, that I believe that it will change our church. I think it will change us because... We're like, it's not like, we're not just like learning facts about what God used to do. We're just, like, we believe that this is who God is, and this is the same God who wants to do this right here in our midst. And so, like, what a common thing that I pray often is, God, do this in our time. Do this in our day. I don't just want to talk about what you used to do in those old revivals, what you used to do with the early church, and, and like, make a monument out of it. Like, God, do this within us. We need it. We long for it. And so last week, we, we talked about when the Holy Spirit um, came. The Holy Spirit fell on these 120 disciples that were in the upper room praying and waiting for the Spirit to come. So we have fire and wind enter the room. They start speaking and praising God in different dialects from people from, from Africa to Europe, all these different dialects. And people um, were astonished and bewildered, and they came to find out what is going on with these Galileans. And so they were um, bewildered. They, they were, this was unexpected. This was unreal. How could these uneducated folks all speak our language and dialect in perfect, I don't know, what, English grammar, not English, in perfect grammar, and, and this, is, this, is, this doesn't make any sense. They didn't, they didn't actually know how to respond. So some, some started to respond with mockery. In verse 13, they said, however... Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Like they said, like they're, they're on that new wine. I don't know where they got that wine. They're on some new wine. Not, not the Hillsong version. They're on some new wine, some sweet wines, because there's no, there's no plausible explanation for why they're acting this way. I remember when, um, when I first got saved, 21 years old, rarely ever, ever been to church, and... Um, these older women that my mom was a part of this prayer group, and they would, you know, they would always dra- not drag me and just encourage me <laughs> to join them in these prayer meetings. And they would, they would pray, and they would, like, like, cry out to God, and they would s- speak to one another powerfully, and um, some would speak in different languages, and I'd be like, I don't understand what you all are doing. Like, I, 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 res- I respect your fervency, but I don't really, like, this is... This is unfamiliar grounds for me. This is, I don't have a grid for what the Spirit is doing through these group of ladies in this prayer group. And there's something going on in the world where God has poured out his Spirit on his group of people, and the world is like, I don't understand what's going on here. And so sometimes when you don't understand something, like you, you, can, you can mock it, you can make fun of it, you can, you can take away from the seriousness of the moment because you can't explain it, or sometimes you just need, to, you, you mock something to undermine what the messenger is trying to convey. And I don't know what your church background is on like how the Holy Spirit works or how the Holy Spirit moves, but I just know if it's the Spirit of God that formed the world, that the Holy Spirit is powerful. And that the Holy Spirit can change our lives. And I don't, I don't want us to be a church that puts limitations on what the Spirit of God can do. Amen?
Oh, we got two amens, all right. (laughs) And so we know the last time that Peter was confronted by the Jewish community that he denied his association with Jesus and that he hid and that he, he said, I do not know this person. And so now he's being confronted again. And I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever been confronted by um, co-workers or, or your family around your association with Jesus, and you, and, you, and, you, and, you, and you walk away going, man, I should have responded differently. I responded poorly. Or you, come, or you get in your car, you go back home, and you say, man, I, I, I wonder if I miss an opportunity to, to say something powerfully about my Lord. I wonder if I miss a moment to say something about Jesus. And I just want to say this right here in Acts 2.14 is Peter's moment. It says that, in verse 14, that Peter stood up with the 11. These are verses that are really easy just to pass by because you want to get to the action. But Peter standing up right here is a big deal. He's not sitting down. He doesn't hide. He doesn't cower. The disciples don't step back and go, Peter, you take that. They stand together in the face of this bewilderment from this crowd and maybe some opposition from the mockery. And they stand together. And it says that he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He lets them know first thing. He said, first, let, before I preach, I'm going to let you guys know. We're not drunk yet. It's only nine in the morning, people. <laughs> I mean, sir, I mean, this is, I think this is a hilarious passage. Anyway, but, um, and then also it's Pentecost. This is, this is Pentecost, and they would have fasted this first part of the day, and so they wouldn't have had any wine yet. That would have been later, and so he said, look, we're not drunk, and I know that you can't explain what's happening here. This is the Spirit of God at work. This is what he's going to tell them. He says, fellow, for, in the verse 14 to verse 15, he says, fellow Jews, And all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. And I really want you to understand that he's speaking with authority. He's speaking boldly. I want you to understand the courage that it took Peter right now to stand in front of all these people in Jerusalem on a holy day. He's he's not a rabbi. He's a mediocre fisherman who walked away from his Lord in his deepest hour of need. And now he's standing with his other disciples who used to hide behind closed doors and are standing boldly in the center of Jerusalem. and they're declaring the ministry and the testimony of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Peter is saying, this is not wine. We are full of the Spirit of God. And right now, as he, what he's about to do is shift from Peter the fisherman to Peter the uh, pastor, Peter the evangelist, Peter the teacher, because he's boldly addressing the people. He says, let me explain this to you. Like, he's, he's about to teach. Let me explain this to you. Let me break this down to you. Pay attention. Listen carefully. And so he starts with the book of Joel. Open your Bibles to the book of Joel. Well, they didn't have books. They had scrolls, but they memorized it. So anyways, just go with me. He tells them, he starts with the book of Joel. He said, verse 16, he says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So Joel was a prophet in the Old Testament who spoke prophetically against corruption. And he prophesied about a thing called the day of the Lord, that a day was coming when God would bring his final justice, his final judgment to the world. And those who were called by his name would look forward to that day. 
those who were not called by his name, that it would be a terrible day. And anyone who followed Yahweh or is familiar with the Hebrew scriptures knows that a lot of the prophets talked about this day that would come. And this is what Joel did. And he said, there's a period that's coming, an age to come. And so he gives, he, go, he goes into this prophetic vision that of Joel and what it means right now, right in this moment. So verse 17 from the book of Joel, he says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. In the last days, the final days of this age, the time when the age to come is inaugurated, God's promises to pour out his spirit on all people. Like this, this was a promise. This wasn't maybe if you're good enough, like God promises that he's going to pour out his spirit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this over and over again until we believe it, that God pours out his spirit and he wants to pour out his spirit on us, his church. Like it, what it talks about the New Testament church is that he turned the world upside down. Like this, the spirit of God was moving through them so powerfully that people would inquire about what's going on with them. Like, what is that in you? What are you doing? Who are you people? Why are you all together? One commentator says this about pouring out his spirit. He says, Joel used the imagery of the vivifying impact of a near eastern torrential downpour on parched earth to picture the generosity, finality, and the universality of the spirit's coming. When Joel says he's going to pour out his spirit, he's given them the image of a downpour in the desert. That this is not like, like, our, like our day-to-day with just little dribs and drabs throughout the day. Like, like a downpour of God's spirit is coming for his people. God is sending his spirit like a flood so that the whole world would know him. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. God is pouring out his spirit on all humanity, all flesh. This is for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. And then he goes on to explain more of what Joel says. Here's what will happen when the spirit comes. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy to speak under the influence of divine inspiration, with or without reference to future events. In other words, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your sons and daughters will speak the heart and the mind of God. It's not just fortune-telling. It's speaking the heart and the will of God into one another. Into, it's hearing from God. And it's, it's his word being confirmed in our hearts and us accepting it for ourselves. Like your sons and your daughters will speak the heart of God to their world. Your young men will see visions. They will get a, a vivid, crisp picture of what God's doing. Your old men will dream dreams. You will, you will dream dreams that point you to the kingdom to come, that the kingdom breaking through. And I, I know some of us, we, we read these words and we're like, well, what does that mean to prophesy? What does that mean to have dreams and visions? And as we go through the whole book of Acts, you will see that God gives 
Peter visions, Paul visions. He, he, he speaks to people. He's, he's working through their imaginations, working through their sleep. God is just speaking. I long for the day that people, that people can walk in here and get ministered to by anyone who's sitting in these chairs because the Spirit of God is working and flowing through us. I, I, I'm in ministry today because I walked in a church and someone said to me, God has a call on your life. And I go, what does that mean? I don't, how do I answer that? <laughs> what are you talking about? I, is he calling collect? This was back in the day when we had like rotary phones. <laughs> I don't even have call waiting. <laughs> Anyways. And, right, like, and like, I can tell you marked moments of my life where somebody spoke to me. And I go, how do you know that? What do you mean? That, like, that, that doesn't, it's so timely. And like, I've had my, my mail read to me, and I know for some of that's scary. Like, don't read my mail, right? It's very private. But God, God doesn't do it to shame us or mock us. or He does it because he wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to reveal his heart to us. He doesn't, it's not, he doesn't want to make it weird. He just wants to show us who he is and that he's here and that he's active, that he's present. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. He's saying regardless of gender, stage of life, age, occupation, social standing, God will pour out his spirit and reveal the heart and mind of God to people. And Peter, here's what Peter's saying by quoting Joel. He's saying that, whole, that same Holy Spirit that Joel's talking about is here right now. We are in a moment in the story of God that his promises are being fulfilled on earth that, and all sorts of new things are happening and sprouting up. Joel goes on to talk about blood and fire and cloud and smoke. You're like, man, that, that sounds crazy. But N.T. Wright, he, he says this, he goes, those who were used to the language of biblical prophecy knew well enough that these were regular ways of referring to what we would call earth-shattering events things in society and global politics that would shake to the foundations what we call the fabric of society. And so there's things that are going to happen in our world that are going to feel cataclysmic, and it's God that's in the center, at the core, that's bringing in his kingdom. See, I often think about, like, when the Bible talks about the last days, I'm like, oh, everything's ending, and when he talks about it here in Pentecost, he's saying something new is coming. Something new is beginning. That Pentecost is, is kind of like Genesis when God breathed into humans and they had life. And in Pentecost, God sends his spirit into humans so they can have his life in them. And so a new creation is being inaugurated by the coming of the Spirit because of the resurrection of Jesus. It says that Colossians 1.15, that Jesus is the firstborn of creation. And as we call on his name, he's sending his Spirit in us to give us life and create us anew because he's renewing all things. And he starts with us. And so Peter, he doesn't just end with explaining Joel's prophetic vision. He goes on to explain, or as we would say, he's going on, he's about to preach right now. Peter's about to preach. And um, Jesus said in, in Acts 1 that, that we, his disciples, would be his witnesses. 
And Peter right now is being a witness. He's about to proclaim the gospel. He's about to testify. Because the question that I think this group is asking indirectly is, what does all this mean? What is God doing? What have we missed? Peter, in verse 22, says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. He's, he's addressing his, his brothers and sisters. He says, listen to this. Pay attention. When he says listen to this, he's saying, there's implications for the things I'm about to tell you right now. I want you to listen with the intent to respond. Because the Jewish community, they've been longing for the day where God would restore all things. Some of them just don't realize that they've been blind and in the way of God's activity in the world. And Peter lets them know. He, tells, he, starts with, he starts with Jesus' time here on earth, and he says Jesus was approved by God with miracles, signs, wonders. Like, remember his baptism when God said, this is my son and whom I love and who's well-beloved. Remember when he used to teach and you go, man, who teaches like that? What kind of authority? Did, where did that come from? I never heard someone ever teach like that. Remember when he broke bread and, out of a, a, a basket from a little boy and fed 5,000 people? Remember when he healed people that were born with blindness and illnesses that we've never seen that kind of power before? Remember when he sent demonic presence in the pigs and they jumped over the cliff? We've never seen anyone have that kind of power over the enemy before. And he's like, this Jesus, everything he did was a sign that he was approved by God, that God's seal was upon his life. And then he says that you, you handed him over to die. You handed him over to die, and he was buried, but he was resurrected. And I love what it says in verse 24. It says, because it was impossible for death to keep him down. Peter, he, he's giving a testimony of Jesus. He says, we saw with our own eyes. This was God's plan all, the, all along. And even, he says, that, that King David saw this day coming and longed for it. He quotes David, I can't read it all, but it's one verse that David says between 28 and 25 and 28. He says, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Why, why, did, why did David feel this way? He got a vision of Jesus and that death isn't final. Verse 31, seeing what was to come. He spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. That's the beautiful question the gospel answers. Death isn't final. See, our society, no one has the answer to death. No one can solve or cure mortality. A phrase that we hear in sports all the time is, Father Time is undefeated. And Jesus beats death. He doesn't, he doesn't evade it. He didn't, like, have a hack and just get past. Like, he beat death. He took it on. He was fully in the grave. He took on death, and he broke through the tomb, and he raised, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. And this is what the prophets have been teaching and longing for. This is what the ark of humanity has been looking towards the day when Jesus would resurrect our lives 
and res resurrect the world and fix things. And David sees it and is glad. And Peter is saying, we've seen it with our own eyes. He came back. See, we don't know what's possible till we see it's done. The Old Testament prophets viewed the future as an extension of the present. That, that means that the resurrection of Jesus is, is foretelling what we can look forward to. That God is and will resurrect us in Jesus. Verse 32. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. This, this is good news. And I, I know, like, we're like, oh, we, do, we only talk about that on Easter. No, this is, this is why we exist. This is because Jesus Christ resurrected, that he beat death. And not only did he resurrect it, now he's, like, filling us with his spirit to be witnesses to the world of this resurrection by the way we live in the spirit's activity in our lives. But the spirit tearing down our walls and that people begin to say, what, what's that? Because that's what's happening here. God, through the resurrected Jesus, poured out his spirit. He's demonstrated his great love so that all who call on his name will be saved. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. The rescuing power of God is here. If you need it, call on his name. If you've had the worst year ever, call on his name. If you've experienced depression, anxiety, racism, microaggressions, whatever, call on his name. If you don't know what your next paycheck's going to come, call on his name. If you're at the end of your rope, call on his name. If you feel like you've walked away from him, call on his name because he's here, he's present. The resurrection power is here. It couldn't, death couldn't hold him down. So guess what? Anything going in your life can't hold you down because our ultimate hope is in Jesus. And so he wants to resurrect our hope and our lives and fix our gaze upon him, upon his kingdom. And this is what Peter is like saying. I'm, I'm testifying on what I've experienced and what I've seen. That this Jesus who we put on the cross is offering us his great love. And all we have to do is call on his name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. So what holds you back? What holds us back? See, a theme that we're going to see in this book of Acts is that the gospel has to go forth. It cannot be contained. It bursts forth in our hearts and then out into the world. Right? Have you ever had news that you just can't contain it? You're just like, man, I have to get this out because it's, gonna, it's in my bones, Right? This gospel should wake us up, should enliven us. The Holy Spirit is in us, and he wants to work and flow through his church. Peter ends, verse 36, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Be assured, this is cert be certain, this is what God is doing. This is what God has done. The time is here kingdom of God is at hand. What will you do with the message? 
What's your response? You might not think that you're a preacher or you're called to ministry, but you've been marked by God's Spirit to do something in this world. We are His witnesses. I want, I want, I want, I want that to set in. We're, we're His witnesses. We are what people are going to know about Jesus. <laughs> And when I go outside, when I look at the news, when I look at comments on social media, that's a lot to overcome. So we need the Spirit of God desperately. Because I can't change anybody's life. So let's, let's let this message burn in us with an urgency to go out into our world and be the church. Father, we, um, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for Jesus. And um, God, we just ask for your spirit. More. God, you said that all we have to do is ask and you give. So we ask you to pour out your spirit, that torrential downpour on our lives. Some of us are parched right now, Father. Some of us need a touch from you. We need, we need life. We are withering on the vine. Spirit of God, come. Spirit of God, come. Spirit of God, come.